1: Yes, it is brought to you by uh, the Influence Alliance. And of course, this is the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. Today's topic is one that is so important. If you are around and you're watching this live stream, please go and grab a pen and paper because you are going to want to take down everything that today's guest is talking about. Now, my guest today says trust begins and ends with self. And joining me on today's show is Connor O'Malley. Now, Connor, he is a Scot with an Irish name and an English accent, and he's now an Australian as well and and living in Melbourne. So he's an executive coach for leaders who want to learn and be more effective leaders of their business, their team, and, of course, in society today. Now, on today's show specifically, Connor's going to share if you learn to trust yourself more, well, guess what? You will learn to trust others more and be trusted more by others in the process. He's also going to talk about leadership is changing and trust is a core element in this change, especially with what's going on in the world today, as well as trust is in society is changing. You, you need to be aware of that. what that trust is and, and all of that. So welcome to the show, Connor.
0: Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, welcome to your listeners as well. I hope our yeah. conversation supports uh, somebody somewhere listening somewhere.
1: Yes, well, a couple of the resources that you're going to be talking about today is one that uh, I know is such a trusted resource in and of itself. And if people aren't aware of this, they need to be because their consumers, their stakeholders, shareholders, all of that very much their trust and, and what constitutes trust has changed. And if we're not aware of that, uh, then uh, we need to be if we want to continue to do business. But firstly, I'd love to just get a bit of an overview of what was it about this topic of trust that interests you? And now I know that you've got a fantastic book and resources. What was it about trust that uh, attracted you and now becoming a thought leader in that area?
0: Thanks, Anne-Marie. 4.15 one morning, I think, is the best answer to that question. Uh, I I guess you might say in the four years since I left executive leadership and uh, now work as an executive coach, it was something about uh, bringing a book to the world to serve others, was, was was present, was always there, and not quite knowing how it was going to emerge. And uh, in the very room that I'm in right now, 4.15 in the morning, I woke up, and uh, I, 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 here's a picture for, for the listeners, You know, and I'm no Beethoven or Einstein, but it felt like the mad scientist, mad musician, scribbling away on a whiteboard. Um, and out of it emerged this model around trust, which brought together a lot of the Uh, personal experiences in my life and also the learning that, uh, you know, and study that I've been doing as an executive coach. And the more I then went into the space of trust, the more I realized that actually, it's a great way of embodying so many different things from a personal perspective. And then you take it into the domain of leadership and you go, clearly, it's such an important part in in how you lead your team and how your team sees you. And then you go, well, hold on a minute, kind of is changing in society and you then start to do more research. And you mentioned uh, this great resource that leaders, I think, and you think should be aware of called the Edelman Trust Barometer. So I started to read more about that from a a societal perspective. And then with some of the the coaching work that I do where, you know, we we do go deep into ourselves and and understand what stories are living within us um, and some meditation and somatic work started to realize that, you know, I've come up with this term universal energy uh, with regards to something else that we can trust in. So that's the answer to the question. It it emerged at 4 15, one morning in the furry room.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank goodness for those early morning uh, insights, downloads, if, if you will, and being able to capture them. I'd love for you to define, because I know that you've done a lot of research on that, put that together in an awesome resource, which we'll share later how people can access. But what does trust mean to you? And more importantly, when we're looking at trust, what should people specifically be aware of? One of the reasons I'm asking that is because I know we can dive we will be diving later into you know what erodes trust and when trust has been eroded I'm I'm certain that the journey to gain someone's trust if ever you will gain that trust back again um I think really starts with what defining what is trust.
0: Well thank you for asking that and and I felt having written a book or writing a book on that was incumbent for me to answer that question which I I thought, well, let's just get that answer out on page, almost page one of the book or the first page of the first chapter. I see trust ultimately as a verb. So if you ask me one definition of trust that I hold to be the case is that it is a verb. And that is trusting yourself to deliver on your commitments and trust in others to deliver on their commitments. So ultimately, it is around delivering on your commitments to self and others. And that's a verb. That's a doing. Delivering on your commitments. And then another way of looking at it is um, some descriptors, some adjectives, if you like, which I describe in the book as the risk factors of trust, which is reliable, invested, sincere, consistent, capability and capacity. Um, and for those who read the book, there's an extra C in there. So that's further learning. You know, life is a journey of learning. And thanks to Rachel Botsman, who is uh, an amazing uh, trusted authority on the subject of trust. Um, some recent, uh, you know, listening and reading of her work is this word consistent. So uh, fortunately, it was a C and I've added an extra C into those factors mm. of trust.
1: Mm. So those factors of trust that you've just mentioned, I'd imagine that all of them are very important, but is one or more a linchpin? So in other words, if you don't have this or these specific things as part of that, there's no way you can do all of the others, but you have to have those first. Is, is that something that you've found?
0: I'd go to the I, which is invested, to be trusted and to trust in someone else. I believe you have to be invested in that person. I think if, if I was to choose one, it's invested in that person is, yes. you know, is, is, is the key one, if I was to choose one.
1: And when you think, when you're talking about being invested, what are some of the parameters around that? Like, no, like obviously the trust, but to be invested in your research, what have you found needs to be present for someone to start to invest time, energy, uh, trust in, in someone else?
0: A term that I bring to the, to the world, and it's an ontological term, um, which is the philosophy of coaching that I bring to the world, and this is through uh, the, especially the work of Alan Sealer, is the legitimate other. So mm-hmm. how do I hold the other person in a relationship or in a conversation as the legitimate other? And key to that, Anne-Marie, is their stories, mm-hmm. where they're coming from, what is their perspective? Um, I, I talk about two things, that we live in our stories, which is a cognitive domain. And at a physiological, somatic domain, our stories live in us, in our nervous system. So without mm-hmm. going into those two, it's let's stay in the space of stories and this notion that um, you know, our stories emerge from, say, our culture, the mm-hmm. culture that we're born into. They emerge from our family experience, which in part will come from our culture. And then more than that, they emerge from our lived experience. And what we can find is that if we don't sometimes step back and challenge ourselves in our own inner listening, the stories that we're living in, we can take them as the truth. We can take them as facts. Mm -hmm. We're actually, yes, there are facts in them. You know, I lived in this house from this date to that date. The minute that I add, it was a lovely house that I lived in from this date to that date. That's an assessment. That's a belief that starts coming in. And yeah. we can actually split our stories between what are truths, what are facts, and mm-hmm. what actually are our beliefs. And what we can find, I believe we find, is that most of the stories that we live in are, are a bunch of assessments, a bunch of beliefs. Yes. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong. However, it's our, our ability to interrogate those and go, is this, is this the case? And also, mm-hmm. how well is that story serving me? Mm-hmm. Now, we can do that for ourselves then how do we do that as the listener and say, where is this other person coming from? What are their stories? How do I hold that person as legitimate, hold their stories as legitimate? Because this yeah. is what they believe. Now that's not to say I have to agree with it. I, I do not have to agree with it. In fact, ironically, the more I listen, the more I'm curious, the more I consciously understand and listen where they're coming from, arguably the better, the better discussion debate we can have. Because yes. we're both coming from a place that we hear ourselves first, and mm-hmm. then we hear the other person
1: yeah you know as you're talking That's about the his stories Yeah, about being invested. I love the way that you've uh, laid that out for us. You're talking about being invested, the different stories and so forth. Do you find then that when it comes to trust, I mean, there's obviously a formula, you've you've mentioned those parameters that need to be present, but it also, if we're looking at, this beautifully segues into the first point, you know, if we learn to trust ourselves more, you'll trust others more. So in other words, if the stories that we're telling ourselves are of being very careful, we've been, we've been uh, you know, hurt before or betrayed before someone has caused a mistrust. If we have kind of beliefs that validate that, we're going to use that as a lens through which we, we determine how others are trustworthy. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that. Is that correct?
0: That, that's, that's exactly where I'm coming from, for sure. And, you know, and I want to acknowledge here that there may be some, you know, deep uh, trauma that rests within us, you know, deep in the nervous system that is very difficult to uh, to unpack sometimes. And, you know, uh, if that is the case, then there are clearly um, professionals, psychologists or counsellors who, who, you know, are there to support uh, folk who kind of go in you know, in, within themselves at a, at a very deep level. But yeah. at that at this level of the conversation that we're having, absolutely, very much. Yes.
1: So, so it, I'll circle back to a question that I asked initially and maybe just give some reflections and insights because I think it relates to, you know, what has happened if as, let's say a business, because this is the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, something has occurred that unfortunately our business hasn't aligned to the integrity and the excellence that we had showed or, or had promised someone, and therefore trust is eroded. Is the journey to gain trust, what what has had, to, or what needs to be apparent, what needs to be in there so that we can gain the trust? I'm assuming that it's different for every individual that we're dealing with. Um, is there a way back, is, is there a way forward? What in your research have you found? When trust is eroded, what's the pathway back to gain that trust?
0: So if, let, let's take it from the person and or business that has not, say, delivered on their commitment. Mm. Let, let's take it from that perspective on, on the basis that to be trusted, uh, one, a person and or a business needs to should deliver on their commitment. So I think the first thing is to acknowledge that you have not delivered on your commitment. So the, the, the person and or business on the other side of this, if you like, transaction of the commitment delivery, their, their view that you've not delivered on your commitment is legitimized. So by, by owning up and saying, I made this commitment to do this, and I, well, let's take it from a business perspective, we did not deliver on that commitment to you. And then a core part of that, once you've acknowledged that, is then saying, how can we move forward? What is it that you're looking for from me to continue to build that trust? And having a conversation for possibilities that both parties can see a way forward. I talk in the book about the brick wall of trust. But, you know, at some people and or businesses will be ones where the the brick wall is immediately there. So they they innately give trust if it's something that can, can be given. Whereas others, there's no trust at all. And you need to build this wall brick by brick by brick by brick. Yes. in the context here that we're talking about, let's say the brick wall has been built to whatever height you want to to make and and it gets smashed away because something has happened that you you know that the trust was broken as I say. the first place, acknowledge it, have the conversation and see if there is a possibility that that brick wall of trust can start to be built again. and if so, how?
1: I love that and I'd imagine you're going to talk about uh, some of the different um, industries, if you will, like we're talking about business but, of course, we can talk about media, we can talk about uh, politics. There are certain pockets or industries that are, less trustworthy from an individual or maybe a whole community's point of view but let's start talking about and bringing in you, you know you say leadership is changing and trust is a core in, element in this change and it certainly is what insights can you share here
0: i'm privileged to do the work that i do with with senior leaders ceos um and leaders in business who are leading large organizations and or large teams and my, my sense of this is that the day of, uh, I won't say the words, the JFDI, the just flipping well do it, uh, are, are no longer appropriate. And I think certain sectors, certain industries, that's more prevalent than others. So from a generational change, those who are coming through are looking for a different approach, different style to leadership. And also, I, I do believe that, which is a fantastic thing with more women in leaders, that the language of leadership is changing as well. Mm-hmm. And it's changing in so much as uh, being curious, this notion of co creating an outcome, uh, having empathy and understanding where somebody's coming from, i.e., listening to their stories, holding them as the legitimate other, mm-hmm. and really being open to possibilities. And I believe that leaders who are more open to possibilities to co-create an outcome, you, we, will get, we will get better outcomes. Now, am I saying that leaders, uh, in terms of decision making, you know, they, they don't need to be decision. And this is by consensus. I, I am in no way saying that. Leadership mm-hmm. is still, you know, having a vision, uh, painting a picture for others to choose to follow you, which is my definition of a leader, somebody who mm-hmm. others choose to follow and taking action and, and decisions on those um, possibilities is critical to leadership. However, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm a bit further back down the chain of what are possible, how do we include other people's views to actually uh, come to a better co-created outcome, as opposed mm. to it's my way or the highway. That That's how I believe leadership. Is yeah.
1: And when you think about uh, such as trust, there's also respect, isn't there? And for our leaders, there's there is a respect, and we've all heard that saying. You know, I'm a leader, so I demand respect. But I guess what you're saying is actually no, you earn right. respect by your actions, and in some instances, your inactions, and how you address situations and challenges and i know in business and in many other industries for instance if we look at government uh, and industries around the world they have had such complexities that no one has really ever got a handbook for in, in situations that they're dealing with how they're responding to that is either going to earn respect or not and encourage people encourage trust so, would you say the day of well, this is the way that we're going to do that? Um, you've just got to do that all the highway. That's no longer uh, relevant. You mentioned because people coming up, the youth now, the younger people, they 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 are not saying, "Well, I respect you because you're the boss." It's, "Well, I respect you if you earn that," and it's vice versa as well. Would you say that that's so important across all industries, government, media, the whole the whole lot?
0: Uh, for sure. I would say it applies. It, clearly, there will be different sectors, different industries where uh, a different style and approach of leadership in terms of how you, how you behave, how you bring mm-hmm. that into your actions um, is appropriate for, for relative industries. However, at a general level, yes. I, I, would say, I would say yes. Um, and, and, and I brought the word behavior in on purpose in terms of you know, that is the manifestation of our actions. Mm. That is that is what people observe. Um, so we, we have our values, for sure. We have our values mm-hmm. as individuals. Most people do, I would say. And we have our values as a business. How we bring those values to life is through our behaviours. Mm. So in the model which I talk about in the book called Collective Trust, which we can use from a larger perspective in terms of our team, society and universal energy, one of the key aspects of that is What are our demonstrated behaviours?
1: Because, you know, as leaders, and one of the things that I have found across multiple shows that we do, leaders don't always know the answer. And the leaders that try and portray that they do it actually erodes trust. But the leaders that say, hey, we've got a great team around us, contribute ideas, let's brainstorm and let's co-create. And and then at the end of the day, the leader does need to, but I think there's certain behaviours and certain things that a leader can do that enables that trust to be built because people feel respected, I think, in that that community and I think that that's really important. So would you say then moving forward, it's so important as from the aspect of trust that you know you talked about that brick wall that brick wall i mean that that would be relevant for across all different industries isn't it e- even a business um leading a voluntary team um all of those different uh, industries and, and sectors yes
0: yeah v- very very much so and and the brick wall uh, as i hope uh, shared earlier earlier is for some that brick wall is built it's there and it it's they're they're a giver of trust and for others, it has to be, has to be earned, has to be through, through somebody's actions. And I don't think it really matters which. I think, yeah. again, that's a demonstration of where is this person coming from? How do yeah. I understand their lens? So, so it's and- a metaphor. But it can be used in many, many different ways.
1: Yeah, I love that. You mentioned something around the core values. Core values really drive will drive someone's behavior. And I think if trust and integrity and excellence and all of those things that you meant that you mentioned earlier are not part of a core value of a leader, of an organization, of an institution, uh, that will be well, that could be their undoing in certain situations. Cause if you always live and breathe and bring consistency in, in your values. That will hold you
0: in good stead. Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Indeed. I, I'd like. I mean, there's a there's a, a colleague chap I work with on a, um, a not for profit uh, initiative, a chap called Scott McLaughlin. Who I'd like to thank for this distinction in my life, of of this notion of bringing values um, and actually talking more about behaviours than values. Why? As I say, because I think the behaviours are that manifestation of of the values. Um, so if if we do accept or believe that this idea of trust begins and ends with self so begins with our own stories begins with our own understanding what i call our way of being Mm -hmm. in our way of doing which is a distinction i make the way of doing is how we take action and the manifestation of that is through the behaviors that we demonstrate consistently so from a leadership perspective, if I you know, go back to my old world of the supply chain um, and I walked into a distribution center and the first time I joined an organization, I walk into that distribution center and I see that the pallets are not neatly aligned up, beautifully aligned up to the racking. And mm-hmm. I go in for the first time and I say, uh, th- these are the standards that I expect. And we have to have straight lines. It's quality, it's discipline, it's safety. So many reasons for straight lines. Um, in terms of having the pallets in the racking. If I then go into that distribution center uh, another day or I go into another distribution center somewhere else in the country and I don't demonstrate the same behavior that I did on the first day when the, you know, let's say the jungle drums have been rumbling, oh, my goodness, here's a new supply chain director and his yes. standard is straight pallets. If I don't demonstrate that the next time I go into the next distribution center or, this, or, or the same one another time, good luck. Yes. because you you've not consistently... Um, demonstrated, and that's that word C, consistently demonstrated those behaviours. That's what builds trust, is 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 the C, consistency.
1: Yeah, and that's key. And what I like about that is, and and we've heard this this conversation before, and I'm sure you you have too, and and live and breathe that. If you then hire and bring in team, and you've got your set of core values and what's expected, and what's you know the it lives and breathes the organisation, then the team that are aligned with that can then make sure that that's the the north star. This is what they live, but they how they achieve that may be different some people may bring a different style but they're all working towards that core value have you found and, that through when a business actually yeah very much so. That? Mm.
0: yeah so so i think uh, if i if i if i may share this um quadrant that that i bring uh, through the book of collective trust which is the purpose so what is our purpose what is it that we why are we here what are we aiming for what is our purpose our big purpose and what is our intent so if our intent is for self, then I would challenge that. If our intent is for others, which could be our shareholder, um, our customer, what is our intent? What is our true intent from the inside out? And then what are our standards? And I, I do broaden this notion of standards to pretty much everything that you know we can have a standard of how we communicate. We can have a standard of our dress. We can have a standard. In this case, I shared it on the pallets, the straight lines in the distribution center. I believe those standards need to be co-created and and bought into by everyone. And we hold each other to account with those standards. And how do we do that? We deliver that through our behaviors. So if you reverse engineer that, are our behaviors demonstrating our standards? Are our behaviors linked to the intent, the true intent, i.e. this notion of sincerity that we actually have? And are our behaviors aligned to our purpose, what it is that we're trying to do? So that's that's a, a definition I bring to the world in terms of what is collective trust. And I believe we can apply that to our teams and apply it in society. Um, so, Brilliant. you know, the, the societal one of the, of the year, if you like, of last year is, is COVID, you know. And, and if, you, if you apply that model against, say, the, the world leaders without naming any, let's go collectively, you know, was there a common purpose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. Let's rid ourselves of COVID, a common purpose. Was there yeah. a common intent? I'm not so sure there was a common intent. Was there a common standard? Absolutely not. Were there common behaviours? Absolutely not. Yeah. So was there collective trust in society around how our leaders globally have dealt with COVID? Absolutely not. <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a you know an overlay of the, the global topic of the day with regards to uh, collective trust.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I I won't share what the situation is, but you can really see that when there's an MO uh, of uh, an organisation that is trying to push trust and it's happening right now here in, in across, actually, Australia. And you think that they have rallied around everyone. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, you can just keep talking, 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 but I don't believe you. But anyway, I'm just bringing up Edelman Trust Barometer because, you know, we started touching on, and uh, you know, how globally... A situation has occurred and you pointed out there are some key areas we can look back hindsight and say we didn't really do that very well. But let's talk about trust in society is changing. Yes. How yes. so?
0: Well, if you look at uh, let, let's use Edelman. So let me answer that by some specific statistics uh, from mm. Edelman very quickly. So they are talking about a crisis of leadership. Japan, 18 percent, France, 22 percent, all time low. Trust in news sources, social media, 35 percent, owned media, 41 percent, traditional media, 53 percent, an 8 percent drop, record lows. Mm. And here's the one that I, I believe grounds my assessment that um, trust is changing in society. Business is now the most trusted institution. Sixty one percent of people trust business. Fifty seven 57 percent NGO, NGOs. Fifty-three percent government and fifty-one percent media. And here's the here's the thing: eighty-six percent of those surveyed expect CEOs to lead on social issues. So mm-hmm. there's the two big numbers: sixty-one percent business trust, most trusted institution, and eighty-six percent of those surveyed expect CEOs to lead in society. Now, I well, empirical evidence the the, the Um, Edelman Barometer has been going now for 20 years, 21 years of this 21st year. And it is um, it is the trusted source of societal you know data, and it's it's strong mm-hmm. backing of data.
1: Oh, absolutely! So I- been going for decades, and and I've actually what you've just mentioned we've got here on screen, which um, is, is from you. their their reports. What that really goes to show, and there's been some people that have said, and and really what you're saying actually, no, Edelman Trust Barometer has empirically proven you know when businesses start to speak at at certain things it's like well businesses you you be quiet this is the area of where government should be be you know champion yeah they should but because trust had been so eroded in that that area and even media very much, it, it you know, they, they've got their own agenda. People now are turning. I mean, that's incredible for businesses, but it goes back to the whole point of a CEO and, and the leader of that business. You need to get clear on those values. You need all of the things that you spoke about. How are they faring? Is, is there a way to go or do you think businesses, CEOs are starting to recognise the that people are really looking to them now as as being these trustworthy champions. So let's let's continue to walk that. How are we faring?
0: So my conversation uh, is there a way to go? Yes. Uh, is there a realization that there's an expectation of of these leaders to be uh, leaders externally in society? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, a really good and positive. Uh, self-assessment by leaders and their leadership teams that this is a role that they need to play and are starting to play it. So that, mm-hmm. that I think is, is really strong. How, however, it's the how is that brought to how is that brought to bear? How is that brought out? without, I mean, there are lines where there's clearly government has accountability. And, and mm. here's my personal view, I think, holistically, from an Australian perspective, you know, the government and governments have done a good job with regards to uh, managing the, the COVID crisis. Now, mm. how, is that the role of government to have stepped in? Uh, absolutely. So there are there are distinctions, there are boundaries. However, for leaders, of business today, I think the key thing is to ask oneself the question: What is it that society is looking for me in the in the industry and in the sector and the business that I'm in, and how can I then um, take action to allow that to manifest itself in the way that my business is presented, such that my customers, my clients trust me and trust my business. And also linked to that is don't, don't let's forget that our employees are also members of society. So, yes. so our employees and those who work for us are also looking for leaders more and more to be that voice in society. So it's an internal uh, pressure and opportunity as well as an external pressure and opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah, so so important, and let's hope that leaders uh, of all industries and sectors are listening to this and uh, can look at well, what can we do better moving forward so that uh, we can also become uh, reputed for our trustworthiness. So uh, we've clicked across to your website, the book. Tell us a little bit more. I mean, we're we're just about at the end of our conversation, but we've just scratched the surface. Just scratched the surface. So tell us a little bit more about the the book, how can people connect with you and find out more about how they may be able to to work with you, Connor?
0: Well, the book is my offer to the world, uh, specifically to business leaders, CEOs and C-level executives, and also to leaders who have just stepped into or been promoted into that C-level, let's say, enterprise leadership space. Um, It truly is my offer. It's my experience from uh, executive leadership and also from my coach training for those who read it to internalize to think what are my stories what is my way of being and how is that manifesting itself in my way of doing and then that leads through to team and society and so on and so forth so it's a, it's an offer to the world and i i hope it serves uh, serves the reader in Fair. terms of how to connect, buy the book is through the book website which also is linked to my own website so there's a my own coaching practice website and in terms of you know what what do I bring to the world? I, I, I describe myself because it was provided to me by somebody else as as the CEO's caddy. So I, I walk alongside my clients. I am there. I, I don't tell. I don't advise. I'm a coach. I, I'm not a I'm not a consultant. I'm a coach. So I walk alongside. I ask those questions and I help those who work with me find their own way through opening up some of their own stories, their self-narratives. Yes, giving them some some tools to kind of think about. However, it's not about the tools. It's about my clients finding their own way to answer their own questions through my ability to ask them questions. And it's it's an absolute privilege to help leaders trust how they learn, lead, and know themselves. Um, it, it's, a, it's a privilege to do the work that I do. And best connect with me is through LinkedIn um, is probably my best uh, – Best way of anybody who's listening to this to say good day through LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And, of course, just uh, if people are wanting to find out a little bit more about the book, trustedself.net is that trust, you are trust our self. trust, to beg your pardon, trustself.net. And of course, Connor O'Malley, Connor with one N for those people who listen to the audio version, uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. If there were, what was one insight that you would love to share as we finish up the show, Connor, what would that be regarding trust?
0: Listen to your own self narrative and break it open. What are the facts and what are the beliefs and are these beliefs serving me well, or can I re-narrate my story?
1: Mm, love that. And with that further ado, thanks for coming on the show, Connor.
0: Absolute pleasure, Anne-Marie. Thank you very much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.